0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. My guest today is Karen Hager. She's an intuitive guide and psychic channel known for her compassionate, no-nonsense approach to the spiritual journey. She conducts more than 1,000 private intuitive sessions each year with people from around the world looking for spirit-led guidance. Karen is a passionate advocate for intuitive development, and her classes and events focus on empowering students to connect with their own natural intuitive awareness, deepen their spiritual practice, and open themselves to abundance. She's also the creator and host of the long-running podcast, Out of the Fog, with Karen Hager. Karen, hello, and welcome to Back to Basics. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so very excited because you know when I read about you and I did all the research, and I mean you've had a podcast and a radio show for a long time, I think two thousand eight or so, and we'll get into it so you're you're really a precursor, but also you know the the fact that your mission is to help people reconnect with your own their own inner guidance is so much alike with my mission of reconnecting people with what makes them tick, so I'm excited to have you here. Thank you,
1: I'm glad to be here. That idea of helping people realize their strength and their power that really just sets me on fire. I love that
0: and i and it sets me on fire too. so well, tell us a little bit because I know when and I've had other you know intuitive guides and spiritual teachers and and the journey usually starts very early in their lives. And I, I ask about this anyway in every single episode of Back to Basics. And it's about the younger years. What were you passionate about? What were you connected to as a young girl? One of the things that changed, I think it changed the whole course of my life. When
1: I was in about sixth grade, I went to my very first ever acting class. Mm-hmm. And that I can't even remember what got me there or what inspired me to go there or uh, maybe a friend went, I don't even know. I met, when I went to my very first acting class, I met people who I really kind of vibed with. I was such an odd kid. I was a very psychic kid. People who know me and follow me work my work know that when I was about four years old, I told my guides to shut up and go away. They were making (laughs) too much noise and I was too weird. Well, when I get to sixth grade, I'm still mighty weird. And when I got to acting class, I found people who were weird (laughs) like me. (laughs) So I felt really good and I met good teachers and I started to understand ways of telling a story, how you could tell a story with your body, with your voice, with your emotion that you could through through that gift of storytelling, of acting, you could bring stories to life. And I was hooked, Leticia. And that time in sixth grade, started a long period of me working as an actor so I did it as an amateur and as a professional and I did that from the time I was a little kid all the way through college and then continued into my adult life and so in my young years what I was passionate about was storytelling I loved old radio shows radio shows from like the 30s and 40s and 50s where stories were just told with the And I loved being on stage and being in front of the microphone, so that I could tell stories too.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that because then, knowing what you do now, it's amazing how that common thread is still there. And I'm usually fascinated by that. And then, when you decided to go to college, was that something? Was that in the same side of, let's say, arts, or or what did you go to school for?
1: I went to a liberal arts college called Kalamazoo College. That was In Well, near my hometown. So I grew up in southwestern Michigan. And I went to Kalamazoo College, really good school, really good liberal arts program. I chose it for a couple reasons. One was that because of family stuff that was going on, I wanted to be closer to home. And the second reason was that Kalamazoo College had this great study abroad program where you got to go and spend six months, if you were a theater student, you got to spend six months studying and teaching in the UK. So Mm -hmm. I got to go to London. I went to school there, got to go to London and spent six months. And wow, I mean, that's heaven for a theater person, right? London, man. So I had a great time learning there. What was happening through all of this time was that, of course, even though I thought I'd shut my intuition down because I was so clever and had told my guides to go away, I was using intuition in every story I interpreted as an actor, in every moment I was on the stage, in every everything I was doing, my intuition was always
0: with me and working with me. I just didn't realize it at the time. Mm, that's powerful. and uh, And I was going to ask about that. I imagine, and maybe there's anybody in the audience that, you know, has young kids and and you know when you are a mom and you hear your child saying i hear guides i mean i can only imagine your parents or the parents or anybody that is you know is highly sensitive to you know whatever the messages or you this intuitive side how was that for you like were your parents suspicious were they did they know what was going on I'm, i'm curious to learn about that i kept that really quiet
1: because even at a very early age, I knew that that was something that would make me weirder. Uh, my my parents are lovely. They weren't shaming about it. They're, but I knew. And, and at about the time that I told my guides to shut up and go away, my baby sister had also been born. Mm-hmm. And she was beautiful and perfect. And of course, like all kids, I was worried that my parents would love her more than they loved me. Spoiler alert, she is still beautiful and perfect, but my parents (laughs) love us both. So it it turned out okay. (laughs) My sister still is beautiful and perfect. Hmm. So I kind of kept the intuitive stuff to myself. I had a really good childhood friend who I would talk about this stuff with, and she really got it. But remember, at a very early age, I had decided this wasn't for me. And I tried to just not have this be a part of my life at all, even though, of course, it, it was in every
0: moment. Mm -hmm. And so, well, you you went through it. And then at some point, obviously, you're into acting, you're doing all these things. And it was there um, a pivotal moment where you say, "Okay, I'm going to really commit to helping others. I mean, I know at some point you made that commitment, but what did that came to be? So in my
1: late 20s, early 30s, I was living in San Francisco and I felt a really strong pull, a call that I couldn't explain or describe even, really, that led me into the church, which is a place I never, ever would have thought I would find myself. I found myself, it's a much longer story, but I found myself in the Episcopal Church in San Francisco. So I was able to attend and teach and do some volunteer work at Grace Cathedral, which is a great big Episcopal cathedral in San Francisco. And from that place, I started to feel growing in me that desire to be of service in a new way, in a different way. What if I could be of service by teaching? What if I could be of service by listening? What if I could be of service by helping people understand the paths that they were walking? And one of the things that I was able to do while I was at Grace Cathedral was help as a, like a moderator in small groups of adults who were undergoing their own spiritual journeys. And that experience Kind of set the groundwork for a lot of the work that I do today. I went on from that place to attend seminary and was actually training to be an Episcopal priest. I really thought that's where my story was going to go. I thought that's where my desire to help was going to take me. As I got toward the end of that program, I had another very strong knowing that I couldn't really explain or, or sort of quantify that let me know that there was something more, something broader for me to do. And I stepped out of that program before I was ordained. So I'm no longer affiliated with the institutional church. I am not ordained, not a priest, but I wouldn't change that experience, Leticia, for anything. I learned so much. And that those years in seminary really helped clarify for me some of the ways in which I wanted to serve. And then it wasn't until I was in my early 40s that I decided to let my intuition come back online. And once I did that, once I said yes to my intuition, I found myself with, I don't even know if I decided it consciously, but I found myself then beginning to do the work that I do now.
0: Mm, I love that. I I love the saying yes to your intuition or saying yeah, because I find that sometimes we have talents. Or in gifts that we've received, you know, that we are ingrained in our, who we are. And we, for whatever reason, we choose not to show them to the world. And then it takes a, an active saying yes to them to really, for them to manifest and do good to the world. Do you agree? I do. And i I feel
1: that it's never too late to say yes. Mm. So if you're at a place on your path where you're looking back and you're thinking, Why did I shut that down? Why did I say no? What have I been ignoring? What do I wish I'd done in a different way? I believe it's never too late to say yes. You can't say yes and go back to the moment when you're four years old and you told your guides to go. It doesn't work like that. (laughs) because You know, chronological time. But every breath we take offers us choice. We can keep doing what we're doing. We can do something different. We can say no. We can say yes. Our lives here, as I understand it, are mostly about our free will. So when we come up against something we've said no to and we're curious about it, we always have the freedom to see what would happen if we said yes. Mm.
0: I think that you hit it on the nail there. Like it was a mini, if I was so surprised, sometimes I would say, oh, tweetable moment. The, like, <laughs> so like our lives are about free will. And when you said that, I felt like that's that's why sometimes we feel we're not happy because we are doing something that is really not what our free will would do if, they, if it had its way.
1: <laughs> well, and we have that awareness or we can, we can call ourselves into awareness of whether or not we're happy. And mm. for all of us, when we come to that realization, wow, this isn't working, I am not happy, this stinks, I wish it wasn't like that. Whenever we get to that place, there's an opportunity not to magically cure it or fix it, But there's an opportunity always to think, what else, what more is possible here? Where might I find light? And when I say light, I usually mean like capital L light. Where Mm -hmm. might I find light here? Where's the possibility? Where's the breath? There's a way of thinking about life that says that you only get a certain number of choices. And once you've made your choices, that's it, you're done. And if you realize you're not happy, well, too bad for you. You should have made different choices. I strongly, strongly, strongly disagree. I hope that on my 99th birthday, I am
0: still making new choices with every breath. Mm-hmm. That was very powerful. And I hope that too, 99. <laughs> That's a great goal. <laughs> my my grandmother died uh, three months short of 100. So she she was making choices at 99. <laughs> oh, yes, always. And I believe that we keep making choices
1: even after we drop our bodies. Mm-hmm. But But for as long as there's breath in the body, for sure. There's choice and we're not
0: stuck no matter what's going on. We are not as stuck as we think we are. Mm, I love that. And that's why you make a great guest for this, uh, for this podcast. And I want to openly thank my friend, Nina, who suggested that I invited you because she always knows best. She has sent my way amazing, amazing people, because one of my goals with this podcast is precisely to relay that message and we are not stuck. We can connect to what makes us sick anytime that we choose to do so. And, you know, for me, it's a very scary thought to live life. If I was to live life thinking I'm stuck, I cannot do, I cannot change what I'm doing. It's, it would be very scary. And I know a lot of people, unfortunately, allow themselves to live from that position of of fear, um, which, which I'm sure that then you know it brings us to your life's purpose which is you you really committed yourself to to help people get unstuck
1: yes and and to find the places of power in themselves that help them get unstuck so in my work as an intuitive i'm listening to people i i think of myself as holding a giant flashlight So people come and talk to me and I imagine myself shining the flashlight on the things that they most want to look at so I can bring more clarity and more insight and more depth sometimes to their understanding. And that's, I love that. And the most important part is I want to help people, want to help people understand that they can get themselves unstuck, that the power is theirs, that whatever they've done or whatever's been done to them Whatever they've experienced, whatever they're afraid they're going to experience, they always have that place of change. My work as an intuitive is very different, I I feel, from the work of a traditional, in quotes, psychic, because I'm not a fortune teller. I believe that we all make our own paths as we live them. And sometimes when we get to a place of becoming, of feeling stuck, we feel like everything's stopped, we can't make a new path. I believe we can always make a new path. And if I can help people do
0: that, man, that's a good day for me. Mm, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh I get excited just to to thinking of all the uh, people you have gotten unstuck because your your web I'm gonna share all the information with the audience, of course, um, to visit you. But I mean, and I said a thousand uh, spiritual sessions. You, it's really like 1,200 a year. You help uh, a lot of people get unstuck. So I'm curious. Do you have by now, like working with so many people, I'm sure you've identified, it. Is there, is, are there a few things that are like kind of common or recurring subjects with people? Or would you say that everybody, of course, we all have unique journeys, but are there particular things like fears or or aspects of who we are that keeps us being stuck?
1: Yes, I believe so. And that's true for me as the person who tries to help people get unstuck as well as it is for people who <laughs> come to me and say I'm stuck. I think I would first say, though, that everyone is different. Each one of us is wonderfully unique. We have a special relationship with spirit. There there will no, be no one else who does the Karen Hager journey. There'll be nobody else who does the Leticia's journey. There's nobody else nobody else like you and so although there are common fears and themes one of the reasons that i'm still doing this work after so many years now is because every time that phone rings i get to sit in respect and reverence and honor of something completely new do you know what i'm saying it's something new every single time Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. with that said the uniqueness of everything um and the uniqueness of every journey with that said i w- i feel that the two biggest kind of core fears that people come to me with there's a fear of being unworthy this isn't going to work for me i've screwed this up i'm not going to be loved i'm going to be alone i've bollocks up my path so much on the on the way that now there's nothing i don't know how i'm going to get unstuck from this and i'm really not worthy of anything better because of what I've done, because of what's been done to me, because of what someone said about me, because of the beliefs I carry, I'm not I'm not worthy. That's core belief number one. The second is energy of scarcity. And that mm-hmm. energy of scarcity isn't just about money, right? I won't have enough. How do I get enough money? But it's about a kind of abundance in all areas of life abundant spiritual connection, abundant ability to receive love, abundant ability to be present in and uh, healthy in, vibrant in the body. And when there's that belief of scarcity, it says I'm going to have to practically kill myself for the tiniest crumb. I'm going to have to work harder than anybody else and then it's still not going to work for me because I only deserve this tiny, 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 tiny little bit. And so in that way, scarcity and the unworthiness are connected. Those
0: are the two, I think, the two biggest things that I see this is very, very enlightening. And I totally agree with you. I probably because I am I'm kind of an optimist and I'm always trying to see the the glass out full. I feel sometimes that the that energy of scarcity that you're mentioning, like I don't have that mentality, but it's almost like when you're surrounded, it's almost like you feel other people draining your abundance energy and almost like trading it off from like, oh maybe I'm too optimistic. <laughs> can that be like, can the energy rub off on people?
1: Well, yes. Um, people who are empathic, who are especially able to, uh, especially sensitive to the thoughts and the feelings of other people. And you can also be an empath who's especially sensitive to kind of bigger waves of emotions, like cultural waves of emotion. In the times that we're living in now where there's a lot of fighting and a lot of division and a lot of shouting and a lot of bad behavior where everyone seems to have kind of regressed to their kind of most ticked off preteen self sort of in the in the way that we're treating each other, empaths have a heck of a time because they may be feeling into that energy of division and anger. They may feel angry and not understand why. So can you be, can someone else's scarcity mentality affect the empath? Yes. And with good energetic tools and with a good understanding of yourself, you can realize you've been impacted by someone else's scarcity belief and you can bring the power right back to you.
0: Mm -hmm. There's hope. There's hope.
1: (laughs) Oh gosh, but there's always hope. That's that thing, right? Every breath, there's a choice. The thing for empaths is to honor what they're feeling as they feel it we get in a lot of trouble when we try to deny what we're feeling no matter what that is then not uh, honor what you're feeling as you feel it and then ask yourself does this belong to me and if it doesn't belong to me what does belong to me what choice do i make in this situation what perspective will i take can i be in a room full of scarcity mindset people and be the most abundantly thinking person there of course i can
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. the actionable tool that you just gave us that this belong to me. So, Karen, I mean, you started, I want to switch gears a little bit into your radio show, your podcast, Out of the Fog, because I know you help a lot of people also through that. How did it come to be? And you you really started on that path way before a lot of us podcasters. So can you share a little bit about how how that was born? Sure. I, at the time in my early
1: forties, when I was exploring my intuition, I thought it would be fun. And when I look back at it now, look like, what was I thinking? But I thought it would be fun to jump on the air. Um, it was at a time when podcasting was just getting started. Blog Talk Radio was in its infancy. Remember Blog Talk Radio, children? Yeah. yeah. Um, And uh, so I just jumped on and started doing a live show every week where I would take callers just from random people and I would practice doing intuitive readings on the callers. Mm. It was the best crash course I could have had in reading intuitively. It taught me so much. I'd already, because I had all the acting, I'd already had a lot of improv training. So I'm good at thinking on my feet and I'm fairly good at, juggling a lot of things which as you know you need to do when you're um on the air uh so i was pretty good at handling callers and doing that kind of stuff and the show i that show took off i switched it after a few years i switched it over to an interview program because i was really curious about talking to other teachers other intuitives other healers other people who were bringing light into the world so after a few years, Out of the Fog became an interview program. We spent some time on live radio and spent some time in syndication. Now we're just a garden variety podcast. And I still, every week, get to talk to, well, I call it spiritual conversation with enlightening guests. Every week, I get to hear somebody else's story. And that lights me up like you can't imagine. So that's that's the Out of the Fog podcast. It started as a Crazy improvisational <laughs> journey through life psychic Reading and has turned into a kind of a, an interview
0: program over the years. <laughs> mm, I love it then you know it's, it's so much I like'm I'm, I'm with you. It's for me, every conversation like this when I'm done. And I bake it in into my real job. And, and people say, why do you do this? And you're not making money out of it. It says, so I'm getting so much out of each conversation and getting to know people like you that sometimes it just even doesn't feel, seem fair. You know, like uh, it's not about what other people think. The motivation is just about inspiring conversations that really light me up as well. So I, I think I can relate a little bit to that. So Karen, in terms of the, I know you have a lot of courses, things going on of the things we haven't spoken about. What do you have going on that excites you these days? Everything. Isn't that terrible? Everything Mm -hmm. does.
1: People who want to find out more about me and the classes and all that good stuff. And you can, one of the quickest ways to connect with the podcast also is through my website. So my website is karenhager.com. So it's K-A-R-E-N-H-A-G-E-R, karenhager.com. There's always a place there you can find out about upcoming classes and see what else I'm doing. Check out the latest episode of the podcast. And if you're interested in booking a private session, you can do that through the site as well. I try to, I always love teaching new things and I try to always have something going that would be accessible to someone who was curious, but maybe didn't want to connect for a private session. People are nervous sometimes about, and it is kind of an intimate experience. People are nervous sometimes about talking one-on-one with an intuitive. I think that has to do with a a misapprehension and like a a wrong idea about what talking to an intuitive is like or maybe they've had a bad experience with a garden variety psychic kind of fortune teller person. So I always try to have something going that is accessible for someone who just wants to get a little taste and see what it's like to work with me. So you'll find that. I do a monthly online gallery reading. That's a good
0: example of that. You'll find all that stuff at karenhager.com. Mm, that sounds that sounds great. And that, you know, you bring up a good point because uh, through my podcast, I've I've known other intuitives. I also love uh, Carolyn Mice. I don't know, I'm sure you're yeah. familiar with her and, and yeah. just her teachings. And I've learned so much about you know, really uncovering your intuition and how you connect to it. And, uh, you know, of course, it's not as developing me, but I've done things in my life where I cannot say why, but I just feel the voice so strong to say, just do it. Like this podcast being, <laughs> I, I've i shared that I usually toss a coin because I know that by the moment it has to land on my hand, I know what it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So then regardless of the outcome, I just go with whatever I was wishing it to be. Oh, and and for this podcast, I got no, you're not gonna do it. And I'm like, well, screw coin. I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> I'm glad you did. I would have been very sad and lonely. Yeah, you... I, exactly. But you know, it's 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 something that you, the intuition is there and the, the real the real intention is there. It's just for us to get the courage to go and act upon it that I think is the the challenge.
1: Well, and as we build that relationship with our intuition as we start to know ourselves better that's empowering too so the more i honor my intuition the more i act on it safely and with discernment and rationality the more i do that the greater my connection with my own intuition and that is part of what can help you be empowered if you're thinking about working with an intuitive nobody no intuitive no psychic no nobody knows you better than you know yourself and so, if you get into a reading or a session or you're with a healer, or you go to your doctor and somebody starts spouting a load of nonsense, you know who you are. Nothing anybody says to you or tells you can change the path unless you take it in and you own that. So there's nothing to be afraid of there.,
0: mm, beautiful, beautiful. Um so Karen, I'm curious before I'm you know we I could talk to you for hours, but for somebody that has done interviews for so long. Has there been anybody that completely like blew out of, like you say, oh my God, this interview was so good or what to tell you, any highlights on, on the journey? There've been a lot of highlights on the journey.
1: The thing that is coming up the most for me right now is an interview that I did with Mirabai Star. Oh, Um She her. is a yes. uh, oh, wonderful, I always feel flattered when people will talk to me <laughs>
0: isn't that silly uh, that you should feel flattered because she's a, I mean I I follow her I'm a Teresa Favila. I went to, to to I'm a Teresiana which I went and so I know she's a big you know of course representative of Teresa favila so I'm a big fan it's impressive I, I'm gonna check that interview out for sure yeah,
1: it was wonderful and I had the feeling and this doesn't happen a lot when you're doing interviews because, you know, you're prepared and you're trying to pay attention. I had a feeling in that interview with her of just being so kind of captivated by what she was saying that I felt myself lifted up a little bit. Um, mm. Where the thing about mysticism, which is a lot of what she teaches and talks about, is there's that kind of heightened experience of awareness of the divine. And as I was listening to her, I felt a little bit of that lift in myself. And so when you ask that question, that's the interview that comes to mind. Over the years, there have been a blue million of them. I love talking to people who are completely unknown and people who are well-known and everybody in between. Because for me,
0: it's all about what
1: can I what can I learn today?
0: Mm, We are soul sisters in that. Of course, I haven't. I have I have had a few, you know. Prominent that uh, you know, like well-known people, but I'm with you on like some of them that are like I didn't know them before, and I feel ashamed because it's like, oh my god, this person has done so 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 much good, and then the wisdom that comes in every from every single conversation, yeah. and, and no and, matter how the person, what the journey has been, there's always wisdom in every conversation,
1: and that's true of people who never find themselves on podcasts. Each one of us carries that wisdom, right? That conversation that we have with other people, the conversation we have with spirit, I feel like our lives are lived as responses to divine love moving in us, however we label that or quantify that. Every conversation is valuable. Your life, you person listening to this now, your life, your path, your conversation is just as important as a big famous person's conversation. There's no distinction in spirit Mm. in that. So if I could leave something with your listeners, it would be, I think to, there's nothing wrong with you. Honor your life, honor your path, honor your choice. Say yes when you come up against a no that you wish you had changed to a yes. Make that conversation that you have with the world, with your life, with your
0: path, make that matter. Mm, That's beautiful. Well, uh, I'm a fan and that's why every conversation matters. And I'm totally with you. Like when people say who's a good guest for It's like anybody has a journey, anybody has a good story. So for me and and people that are my, you know, my audience knows that uh, I've had so many different kind of guests. And I love that because in variety, in diversity, in true diversity, there's learning. When yes. you hear diversity of thought, diversity of journeys, diversity of experiences, so any wish list uh, guest for your podcast? Let's manifest here a little bit. Anybody that's on your on your list of people you wish you want interview and it hasn't happened yet? Oh my goodness, I don't know
1: if I keep a list like that, Leticia. I'm lucky to have a relationship over the years with some really great publicists. And a lot of my guests come to me through those publicists. And I... (laughs) Okay, don't tell anyone. I sneak around the back corners of NetGalley sometimes, looking (laughs) for new authors, looking for books that I want to read. I am having uh, John Sweeney on the show in another couple of months to talk about his work uh, with uh, the work of Meister Eckhart. People like that. I really love people who tap into the mystical experience. I love to talk with those people. I'm just as excited to talk to the pizza guy Mm -hmm. as I am to
0: Mirabai Star.
1: (laughs) So I don't know if I have a wish
0: list like that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. So my last question, Karen, as with everybody in this show, and for you, I feel, you know, besides the obvious of, you know, connecting to your own inner guidances, what makes you tick in the days where where that guidance seems to be a little bit shut down, where it's harder to reconnect? Do you have anything that really fast forwards that reconnection?
1: Laughter for me is a big one. It it lightens the vibration, right? It raises you up. It reminds me not to take myself seriously. And for me, another one that I've really had to learn. So it's laughter, but it and it's also continuing to meet myself with compassion. Those are the two things that make me tick and it's a learning process, right? So I'm not saying I've mastered perfect compassion or I can always laugh at myself. No, that's that's ridiculous. But compassion and laughter are the two things that make me tick. As you and I are recording this, it's right about Easter time. I would also have to admit that Cadbury eggs, the kind from England, not the American kind. I think if you did a chemical analysis of me right now, I'd be probably 80% Cadbury egg, 10% <laughs>
0: compassion, 10% laughter. I think that's where I'd come back on that. Well, that's why this interview has been so wonderful. I'm catching you at a perfect time, although I'm sure that it's always wonderful. But I'm glad. I'm glad for, for those uh, eggs. And, uh, you know, thank you, Karen. I um, um, love this interview, loved everything about it and the work you do. And, um, you know, you have a new fan of Out of the Fog and of the of your work. So thank you for being uh, in Back to Basics. Thank you, Leticia, very much. Thank you, everybody. And until a new episode of Back to Basics, bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.